In this episode, we speak to the co-founder of Speaker Slam, Canada's largest public speaking competition. And this was by far the best episode that I Will Teach You To Speak has ever had. I know that you will love this episode as much as I did. Dan gave us so much value about how to compete and win at Speaker Slam, what to avoid, and ultimately how to be the best possible speaker that you can be in both person and on video. So enjoy the show. This is the first episode. It is also the best episode, and I can't wait for you to see it. is I Will Teach You To Speak. Dan, welcome to the show. Hey, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. <laughs> hey, Dan. Happy you're here. Thanks for having the comedic entrance we were all expecting from you. This, I want that slide. Uh, no, it's exactly what we needed. For the first <laughs> episode, that is exactly what we needed. And I have to say, before we get started, I'm, I'm so excited that we are starting the show and there is no other person that could have been on the first episode of the I Will Teach You To Speak podcast or show than you, Dan. So I have, to, I have to call that out. And there's a reason for that. And this show is all about adding value to people that are in sales, communication, public speaking. And the reason this exists is because of you and because of Rena Robinelli. And I wanted to call that out. And it's so important to me to express my gratitude for you and Rena. And I will take the time up front because I think if I didn't, I'd be giving you and the audience a disservice of how we got to this place in the first place. So two years ago, we met each other at Toastmasters. Yeah. And at the time, the reason I started Toastmasters because I was working in sales and I wanted to improve my communication skills. And what ended up happening was I had no idea that it would be possible to get paid as a speaker if you had a real message that could resonate with people, make a real impact. And so what ended up happening, and you know this whole story, is that behind the scenes at Toastmasters, I was working really hard to hone in on the craft that was the delivery and the style and the structure and telling stories. And around that same time, I think that the timing was just perfect. You started Speaker Slam. Yeah. And from doing all this work behind closed doors, you and Rena, you didn't have to do this for me, but you gave me the opportunity to compete at Speaker Slam. You put me on, you gave me a platform, you gave me an opportunity to share what was in my heart and it really connected and it really resonated. And so from that, I've had so many opportunities and over the last two years, I've done over 70 speeches and I've been paid for a lot of those speeches. And I just have to say, and I wanted to start off this podcast the right way, the show the right way and say, I couldn't have done it without you and Rena, and you will forever have my respect and my admiration and my gratitude for doing that for me, for putting me on when you didn't have to. I, I can't thank you anymore, and I'll always be in debt to you and Rena for that. Thank you, Jonathan, for that. Since day one, I've seen you, and you have literally just taken every risk and just owned it. So um, kudos to you as well. Thanks, brother. Hey, let's try to add value to the audience here. I'll tell them a little bit about you in the intro, but before that, 
I want to get right into how did Speaker Slam start? So tell us the story. What is Speaker Slam? And then how did that end up becoming one of Canada's largest public speaking contests? Speaker Slam is a community for speakers. That's the first and foremost thing that I want to say, because honestly, the people that you meet in this community are going to help you in ways that you never expected. Speaker Slam as a competition, uh, we have many competitions now, we're growing. We have the inspirational speaking competition. We also have the persuasive pitch competition. So Speaker Slam with our brand is the inspirational speaking competition. That's where 10 speakers go head to head and heart to heart. And they share what's inside the message of their personal story. And we've realized that truly it's all about inspiration, which comes from a personal story rather than motivation, which is more raw, raw. Okay. And from that, we've seen a growing movement of people that are really just attracted to the concept and um, speaker slam is that right now and we're continuing to grow. And so for me and Rena, uh, the way this all began two years ago, it was at our Toastmasters club. So this Toastmasters club really is like starting uh, dynamite. I know, right. It's just starting careers. So <laughs> Rena joined on the day that I was first going for the VP of public relations role an executive role on the board. I was young, I was nervous and she just came in on the first day and she challenged me on that role. So me and her were competing and this woman goes up and she kills it. She, <laughs> she's run a million dollar business. Like she always does. Yeah. Yeah. And she's on the dragon's den and and she's been in multiple Toastmasters group and she's competed at division level competitions. And I was just like, ah. <laughs> two Toastmasters club in my, in my life. And <laughs> the thing that I went up with, I, I had a special sauce, a special ingredient that she didn't have. And I was a Costco member and she was <laughs> I went up there, I told the people exactly what I was uh, going to deliver and they bought it and nice. they liked it. They were hollering, they were laughing. Amazing. And what happened on that day was basically the president felt sorry for Rena and she made her and I co-VPs. If we never asked, I totally won that one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I won't bring it up, but if I, if it <laughs> up. Um, and honestly, that friendship blossomed and it went from uh, just wanting to create. Actually, the way it started in order to create was I was doing a uh, project uh, to help the community that I was a part of Toastmasters. That was landmark, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I was doing Landmark at the time. It's called the SELP and you have to create a project for a community. Yep. And I started reaching out to people. And what I discovered was lots of people want to work and help, but they don't have the level of commitment 
is there. So if they can't make the priority to do a follow-up meeting right after or anything like that, Mm -hmm. that right there is a good sign that this, a project with them will work out. Okay. And so after I found Rena, I went to her, she was on the ball. She was ready to like, okay, let's next step. What do we do? And we started coming up with, originally my idea was doing communication workshops, okay. skills, debate. And with the Sounds deadline, what's the, I know, right? <laughs> I'm not talking here. Uh, uh, and I realized um, that we, we did a debate workshop together. And that debate workshop really was the catalyst in our working relationship. Okay. And just from that moment, we went to other speaking events. There was the first one that came out. I don't know if you remember Share, Love, and Celebrate. Uh, yes, I do. With Maria Rosales. Exactly. And that was the event. That was one of the first speaking events that we saw from our community that was someone else was doing. And we were so inspired by her and her event. We were like, we can do this. And I remember just saying, what about a competition? And Reno was like, speaker slam. And wow. that was the day it was born. Just like that. Yeah. And so a couple things from there. First of all, if anyone from Maria's family is listening to this, rest in peace. She was a beautiful soul, did so many things for so many people. And it was, it's a, really a tragedy that she passed. And she was loved by so many people, including myself. She did so much for me in the short time that I knew her. I never, she never asked anything for me. All she did was give. So if her family or any of her friends are listening, she is a, such a beautiful person and we'll miss her forever. On top of that, just on that note, it goes, it's going off topic of where I was hoping to go, but you brought up such an important point. I feel like a lot of people, they, they're passionate about ideas. They want to start businesses. They want to start projects. And, and a lot of times they take it on on their own. And you and Rena decided to work in a partnership. So I'm just wondering from your perspective briefly, what's been the impact on having a partner through this process? A lot of people do start projects with partners, but they totally fail. And so any feedback on what it's meant to you to have a partner in this and what you feel like you wouldn't have been able to accomplish if you didn't have her by your side? Honestly, that working partner relationship has been the saving grace of both of us. The way it works is we have low periods as well. One, one time I'm low and she's on a good spirit. She will, she's keep, she keeps hustling and that keeps me motivated. Then if she's down and she's low, I'm motivated. We're pushing each other to be better and accountable for our um, goals that we've set out. So it really helps to have someone to talk with and share ideas with. And really any doubts that come up, we can just crush them right there on the spot because a partner, they're looking out for both themselves and for you as a part, other partner, right? So it's, I, I highly recommend doing partnerships with someone that has the opposite skills. Cause I think okay. we have commonalities, but a different skill set. Oh, it, it will do wonders. Okay. I appreciate that. And I've started so many projects up my own and thinking back, Hey, you know what? If I had someone that was tag teaming that with me, then we would have been way more successful. We would have been able to go so much further. Uh, I remember a quote, it says, you know, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, 
go together. And that's the way that I think of you and Rena taking this so far and getting even bigger every single month. So I'm super excited for you. And what I want to do is I want to try to tailor the rest of this for people that are public speakers, specifically now for people that are going to be competing in the future in Speaker Slam, because you have a competition coming up at the end of this month, no yeah. risk, no reward. And if you want to talk about that, you can, but from your perspective, what you've seen, what differentiates a speaker on stage at Speaker Slam versus somebody that does well, but doesn't do well enough to get into the top four. And that's the way it works. Usually there's 10 or 12 speakers and then the top four get narrowed into improv too. So how do you make the top four? What stands out and how does the people listening that are going to be competing this month and in the future, how do they make that top four? I think it all comes down to three skill sets that I've realized over and over. It's the level of vulnerability you're able to show on stage. Okay. How much humor you can add into your speeches. That's why I always lost. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's come second in every single speaker slam he's done. Other, than the, the, other than the pitch contest. Oh, he, yes, he did win the pitch competition. So yeah, that's pretty good. That's really good. <laughs> and the other final skill set is poise and i think poise is something that a lot of people don't take into consideration and what i mean by that is the level of practice that you've done and put in and the level of charisma and attitude that you put into your speech the level of flair if you will yes take for example gina yeah and gina had went on she had poise she had Charisma. Oh my God. Absolutely. Who's the confidence? And that is the missing element. Yes. Um, I think a lot of speakers, vulnerability and humor, they can kind of go hand in hand. Like if you're strong in vulnerability, then focus on vulnerability. But if uh -huh. you're good in humor, then go humor. Yes. Like it usually works one or the other. I haven't seen someone fuse both of those together Okay. in a perfect element. Okay, so just to, to recap that, if you want to win Speaker Slam, focus on being vulnerable, share authentically, be humorous in whatever capacity you can, whatever that means to you. And then lastly, that, that like, almost like that X factor, the poise, the charisma. Uh, Gina's a great example. And I think one of the reasons and I had the privilege of judging with Gina at the inspirational speaking contest because I did win. Thank you, Dan, for remembering. <laughs> but, but when I was with Gina, she just, and everybody in the audience knew it, but if you recall Sam Demma, yeah. if he had one thing, it was exactly what you described. He had poise. And I think that's why Gina loves Sam so much. So Sam, if you're listening to this, bring that same level of poise to the competition at the end of this month. I know you'll crush it. You'll do super well. So thanks for that, Dan. That's, that's great. What I want to get into now before moving into the, the other components like video as an example, because I know you're crushing it right now with video, is what are people missing then? So those are all the things that they do really well. What are they doing that they need to stop doing? Okay. Or what aren't they doing on stage that they should be doing? Did you want me to focus on the stage element or is it more on their background of social media and whatnot? Start with the stage and then we can definitely get to, to social media as well. I think what I've noticed is certain speakers come in with the idea of having a conversation with uh, the audience. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. 
and kind of having this outline, but they don't want to feel too scripted. And what really ends up happening is they end up choking mm. because they weren't ready for the moment. They weren't ready for the lights. They weren't ready for the audience. And they weren't ready for those moments where something you say doesn't hit with the audience. And, and then now you're nervous and that just escalates. So what I always recommend is you got to practice. You got to make sure you know your content before you start thinking, okay, I'm going to wing it. You don't come in and you think I'm going to wing it and then let it just flow out of me because I just, I just radiate that level of uh, confidence. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if there's any higher level of narcissism than thinking that you don't need to prepare at all going into a competition like that, where there's going to be three or four or five people that really want to win that. And they're going to prepare. They're going to spend the entire week or two ahead of time. Like I always did, like Jose always did, like happy always did and mm. practice at as many clubs as possible. If it's Toastmasters, go to as many venues that'll allow you to speak. And so I am in 100% agreement. I know exactly what you're talking about. That conversational approach, it just doesn't work. Mm. And what you realize is a lot of times you don't really have your message outlined and then that message doesn't really get relayed out to the audience. That's what's really happening. You're just messages and delivering to anyone. Okay, great. So one last thing, actually, you mentioned the social media piece. So my question then is around how does somebody make themselves appealing to an mm -hmm. event planner? Because maybe you're event planning for speaker slam, but there's speakers that want to become professionals and the only way to get booked as a speaker is either through referrals or event planners are seeking you out or you're part of a booking agency. So let's say as an example, you're reviewing speakers and I'm sure you get dozens and dozens and dozens of people that want to apply and compete every month, but you only have a certain amount of slots. And so how does someone stand out or how do they differentiate or how do they make themselves really appealing to you as an event organizer? With the amount of applications we get and sometimes not knowing who's applying, it really comes down to how you're, how you've branded yourself. And it kind of starts with your profile picture. And I don't want to sound shallow, but really that kind of says a lot about how much invested you are in your potential career and what type of picture you just sent in, because that kind of, like you could go onto our speakers page, you could look through all of our speakers that have submitted their profile photos, and you can kind of just by heart be like, oh, I think that guy's gonna win, or that girl's gonna win. Yep. And you have to ask yourself, why? Why? Because that why will really reveal as to like how you at, at least, yeah just adhere to whatever concept and notions that you have on a good photo. So I, I really suggest a solid headshot. Start with the headshot. Okay. And from there, what happens is your social media. It's okay. how you branded yourself. Do you have a website? Did you have a killer um, bio? Did you have a YouTube page? Are you active on social media? All these elements kind of showcase that, you know what you're doing, you have a certain niche, a certain market that you can appeal to, and you're working towards that. Someone who's not prepared on all those fronts, you're really not helping yourself or not letting your social media, your branding sell for you. Okay. Because now you have to come out and really sell yourself to the event or 
organizer in person and okay. really make a mark, which both elements are great, but one or the other, if you're de devoting more time to something than the other. Okay. And I don't want to beat a dead horse here because that was a great answer. So there, you can't make, you only, you don't, you only get one chance at a, at a first impression is basically what I'm hearing. You only get one chance at a first impression and above and beyond that, what type of brand are you creating on social? The other thing that I think is worth noting for people that are trying to get booked as speakers and it's feedback that I hear from event organizers all the time is they just want to fill seats. Events are expensive to put on and almost always they either don't make any profit at all or they just break even. And so speak, speak to that if, cause I know that you're trying to find people also that have people that in their lives that will come support them. And so is that social media piece an element of, you know, you think they're actually going to be having people come out? For sure. I think the level of social media engagement that they have, is a determining factor in almost can they get more people exposed to the event? Can they get more people to be coming out? And you're right. You're absolutely right. As an event organizer, I do care if my speaker is bringing out at least minimum of six people just okay, because wow. it, it first fills up the room and it makes sure that they are just as engaged with the competition because if you are competing in the game yeah if yeah you're competing you need a support system you need mm. the x factor the actual x factor is having the people in your life that are actually supportive be there so when you're there and you're feeling nervous you have someone to talk to if when you're going up on stage you're getting those claps those extra cheers coming from your support group and i know the people that go on to some of our the top four, they have at least a good sizable amount of support there. They just feel good. Okay. Thanks for that, Dan. Let's transition into something that's more selfish to me and other people out there that are trying to really grow. That's the reason for this show, by the way, everyone, I, I really want to speak to experts so that I can continue to grow as a speaker and hopefully at the same time people can get value. So let's talk video. Because video is exploding. It's been important for the last couple of years, but now more than ever, people are consuming content through video. And you have even made it a transition in Speaker Slam to provide more video, to focus on investing more so that speakers can get good demo reels. Why is video so important? And then also, let's start there. Why is it, why is it so important right now? Or somebody that's on the edge and they're thinking, you know, should I create video content? I don't really know. How, help them push themselves over the edge here and decide today that they're going to start creating video content. The, the reason you need to have video content, for example, as a speaker, you need a speaker's video because you need people to see your video. You may speak to an event and there's about 30 people, 40 people, hundred people that are there, but that's the limit at the event itself. But if you have that video and you put it up online, now you have hundreds and thousands of people that are possibly going to be able to watch that video. And if that content is really good, it can get shared and be seen by people that weren't just in your network. Now it's getting shared more. Okay. And if you're not just a speaker, but you're creating videos on the side to put up on your YouTube, Facebook, what you're doing is building your brand. You're building your personality that people are getting hooked on you. You're allowing people to be in your world. And now you have a better support system mm. because people understand you a little better. 
and the value that you're giving, if you find your niche with your video content, well, then you're the go-to expert. Yeah, I don't think I've seen anyone do that better than Marcos Mendoza. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, I know if I need some inspiration, I'm going to go to Marcos Mendoza and just kind of like just absorb all the wonderful things he says. Yeah, you can just see the way that his video just cultivates this like great community and there's, you know, 20, 30, 40 comments on that and there's like always 10 or 12 shares and that just continues to perpetuate. Like you said, it's about speaking in front of an audience is great, but then if you can put it on social, then it has the ability to just exponentially create exposure for you. You know, there's a, a really good tip on how to get the most engagement out of those comments and to get more people to see your post. Okay. I love to share. So it's basically, let's say three people commented on your video. Okay. You comment on the first two people and you, you don't reply back to the last person. You wait at least an hour and then you go back and respond. What, what happens is, is you've probably seen it on your own Facebooks. Whenever you commented, if someone responds underneath you, you get a notification. Mm. What's happening is when you respond an hour later, the two people that commented above you, they're now getting notified. Yep. Has been made. Yep. That is another impression. That means now it's going to, your post is going to be seen by more people. So if you have about 60 comments and all of a sudden you waited a day and now you respond back to the last comment, all of those six, 59 people are going to get notified. That's 59 impressions of people that are going to go back to that video and that reach keeps uh, growing and growing. Wow. Great tip. Okay, cool, man. I'm going to have to like take that out of this whole video and just use that itself. So separate the engagement on your own post so that it like almost like refreshes and people are seeing that content all again. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Amazing. Thanks, man. Okay, cool. So now people have posted videos. Yeah. You do a lot of video editing. Yeah. Give us a tip from the perspective of an editor of one or two things that we can do to make our videos more appealing, more shareable, the potential to go viral. I know Gina's video got so many views and you've probably just been getting better over time at, at, at editing those videos. What I've noticed is the first three seconds are really important uh, okay. in any video and making sure you kind of catch people's attention. So on Facebook, what I've noticed is a killer lower third. A lower third is basically the writing, let's say the name of the speaker, the logos, yeah. the way you deliver that and how it comes off, it really separates you from an amateur and a professional because that lower third is everything. I, I, at least that's what I find. And I've noticed since I started investing in better lower thirds, it's been night and day. And the other thing that I really find effective is multiple angles, or at least some sort of level of engagement where you're seeing something change on screen. For speaker okay. videos, it's multi-angle videos. If it's a more of a vlog setting, then I find either having some B-roll or having some sort of jump cut that kind of like pushes yes. in, pushes out. Yep. It's very hard as a viewer, especially when you have thousands and thousands of videos just coming at you 
and you are just getting bombarded, you need to have something to keep you engaged. And the content is king. Content is always king. Let's, let's be straight here. But just to give you that level of uh, edge is those elements of editing that I found uh, really powerful. There's one yeah. more. You're making me rethink my, my, whole, my whole game plan around video. I got to change everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I think um, <laughs> you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Okay. Well, this is exactly why I'm doing the show. So thanks for that tip. Appreciate it. No worries. You said you had another point. Yeah, I did. I did. Did I just uh, squash it? <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed it's, if you're ever scrolling through Facebook, what, I, what is that happening for me is subtitles. If I'm at work, yep. I can't usually watch a video because I can't listen in on my headphones. I don't have headphones on me or I can't do it at that moment, but I'm just aimlessly scrolling. But I'll stop for something that has subtitles because I can at least watch that and kind of get an understanding of what's happening in the video. So I've noticed a nice trend with subtitles and I started uploading speaker videos with subtitles. And How are you doing that? So the way that works is there's a website called, I can provide you in the text box, um, but there's a website that you go and you can upload your video there and they'll, you, it's usually cost around eight dollars, and they'll create the subtitles for you. It's an SRT file. This SRT file can be either uploaded right onto Facebook uh, when you're uploading it, and now there's Facebook generated uh, subtitles you can put on YouTube. Or what I like to do is burn it into the video itself, okay. and that's what I've seen is getting a lot of traction because it quickly uh, engages your eyes, especially with the fonts that you use. You need a special software in order to burn it into a video. But if you can, it's, it's powerful. Okay, that's, that's amazing. So if you can share what that, that website is, that way I can post it in the show comments or the show notes, that would be really valuable. I'd really appreciate that. Yeah, the sure. other question I've got is on the other side, which is not editing, but now I'm in front of the camera. What do you see or what have you seen speakers in front of the camera do to be more engaging, more captivating? What do we need to do to look better on video? I think a lot of it has to come down to how much animated you are. And you gotta, if you are a five in person, like in terms of your energy, you gotta wrap it up go 10x, like really just show up because that energy, it needs to show up and be carried over to the viewer. And the viewer really need, like, as I said, they're being bombarded with information yes. over and over. So you want to just bring it. <laughs> All right, Dan, this is the last question <laughs> on the show. And so here we go. You've been amazing. And again, I can't thank you enough for being on the show for everything you've done for me to give me a platform to be able to share about what's important to me. My life is never going to be the same because of meeting you and meeting Rena. And what I want for everyone that's listening right now to take away is one thing that you think from all of your, from all of your experience. Yeah. I'm trying to be as animated as possible. <laughs> <laughs> all of your experience. Talk about engaging. From all of your experience from doing improv to being a host to competing in 
public speaking contests yourself, doing interviews. What's something that someone that either wants to compete in Speaker Slam, you approach this how you want, that wants to be in a Speaker Slam or wants to become a paid speaker, what can they do today? What can they do this week that's going to make a big impact on them and it's going to exponentially help them grow to the next level? Record yourself in front of a camera and then this is the key. Watch it. Watch it and then watch it and look for your cues, your signs of what you do and keep doing that. Keep recording yourself, talking. Honestly, before I was really robotic and what I realized is the more you focus on recording yourself and watching yourself, the more you learn best about yourself. Dan, I couldn't have said it better myself. This has been the best show on I Will Teach You to Speak History. I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate your energy. You had a ton of insight, tons of value. I want to bring you back on the show in the future. Anything else that you want to say to the audience before you head out? Um, Where can they find you? Yeah. So follow me at Speaker Slam and follow me, of course, at The Shakeable. And check out Speaker Slam, www.speakerslam.ca. It's a throwdown. Dan, thank you so much. Really appreciate you. Really appreciate the time. And I can't wait for a Speaker Slam at the end of the month. Thank you, bud. Take care. Bye. <laughs> hey, is this still going on? <laughs> it's over. <laughs> we did it, dude.